Good evening, everyone, and welcome all of you to a very interesting event today about social impact outcomes evaluation and value. This is the third event in the series of four events of Social Venture Forum this term. Social Venture Forum are organized by Sketch and Queen Mary's Social Venture Fund, a pillar of Sketch. And this is the first student-led social impact venture capital fund investing in student-led social venture in the UK. It is supported by the School of Business and Management within Queen Mary. The event today will be run by Stacy, Caitlin, and Amai from Social Venture Fund team and Yatha from Social Impact Unit of Queen Mary. Okay, so if you have chance to join last time, we do full knowledge about funding and practical sharing for many young startup and founders, you'd be very interested in how they raise funds for their business. But today we will set light on another brilliant topic, outcomes, evaluation and value of social impacts. And the theme for the event today is social impacts from different perspectives. It is not only help you to accept the social impact of a business, but also benefit you if you are running your own business in knowing exactly how much you contribute to the society and make the world around you better. So firstly, let me introduce a little bit about special guest speaker today, the Eco Project. They are working on various projects that help to improve the skill and knowledge for people. And may I also introduce a panel of experts from various industries. The first panelist is Carrie-Anne Hoyland. She's the director of Violoclos, a consulting firm company in social impact. And the second one is Fayad. He has profound experience in Young Foundation, an organization is to develop the better connected and more sustainable communities across the UK. And last but not least, a very special final panelist, an expert from travel industry, Sinead Finn. She's the former head of sales and marketing and the former director of commercial revenue in Ryanair. Currently, she is the founder of Affinity, a company working in travel industry. She's also a member of advisory board of Queen Mary. And about the agenda today in the first part, Jace and Jasmine from EcoProject will tell you what they are doing now, how they come up with innovative ideas to create the significant social impacts. And after that, our fantastic panelists will briefly introduce you about their stories in the journey of creating social impacts. And finally, we will spend time for Q&A section when you may wish to discover further interesting information and facts about guests and panelists. In the event, we also run a quiz with a surprising prize and the winner will be announced at the end of the event today. And now I'd like to invite Dr. Joan Zhang, the Director of Social Venture Fund for a quick word of introduction. And then Dr. Patrick Maku from School of Business and Management will demo a privilege to you the Sketch uh, website. So over to you, Joan and Patrick. Thanks, Mai. Thank you very much. And what a program you guys put together for today's event. So hi, everybody. Welcome to the third event of the uh, Social Venture Forum uh, series. As Mai mentioned, so Queen Mary Social Venture Fund is the first student-led uh, social venture fund supporting and investing in 
student-led social ventures enterprises in the UK. So our student investors uh, make two investors per year of 15,000 pounds so in June and in December. So the next one's open. If you're looking for fund, please apply. And tonight's event, I should mention specially, is brought to you by our three female student investors and student ambassadors from Social Impact Unit. So very exciting. Um, and this is a forum we created to bring people together to discuss and exchange ideas about how to build and scale social enterprise and ventures. And especially we want to hear people from different perspective. What do they think? So we have the pleasure tonight also have Patrick, the director of uh, social impact unit of Sketch Project joining us. Um, Patrick, would you like to say a few words? Thanks very much, uh, Joanne. I'll be brief. Um, I'm really pleased to welcome you all. And I would just like to thank the student organizers who've done a terrific job in this third of the series in pulling together a program for us this evening. As Joanne said, one of the aspects of the sketch project is the social impact unit. So there's a number of things that you're going to hear about this evening, which we do at Queen Mary in terms of student knowledge exchange. So students putting back in to the community in terms of what they're learning at university. So you're going to hear about the Legal Advice Centre that we have, so the Queen Mary Legal Advice Centre, the Q Legal, the Q Nomics, the Student Consultancy Project, um, and the Social Venture Fund that Joanne has just been talking about. These are all fantastic for students, but they're also fantastic for the community. And what we don't know enough about, not just at Queen Mary, but generally in business and management, we don't know enough about the social impact of the activities that we're having on the community. So what we're trying to do through these events is build a community of people who are interested in this area. And it's great to see people on the call from different parts of the community because we've got students, we've got external partners here, there are academics on the call, there are various members of the Queen Mary community, but also our local business and community partners. And through these events we want to build uh, an interest in this area and please do take a look at our website which has just gone live and will be added to and refined over the next few weeks and months uh, so that's qmul.ac.uk sketch and uh, the two student teams who are going to be saying a few words will also be referring to the different parts of the of, of the website and the different parts of the activity in the sketch project. But this evening really is an informal discussion about social impact. What is it? How do we observe it? How do we measure it? How can we optimize it for the benefit of all stakeholders? So uh, thanks to the student organizers in particular, but also their mentor, uh, Sinead Finn, who's from our advisory board, uh, but also to Fazan, who's been working tirelessly behind the scenes on events such as these and all other matters related to the Social Venture Fund and the Social Impact Unit. Um, I'm going to stop there and uh, hand back to Mai, I think. Thank you, Patrick. And um, the next part, Caitlin, we'll go with you for the rest of the part. Thank you. Over you, Caitlin. Um, good evening, everybody. Uh, my name is Caitlin and I am one of the student investors on the Social Venture Fund. And I'm just about to share my screen um, to 
share a video about social impact. Hopefully you can social see and hear this. is the long-term difference your organisation makes yes. to the people or places you work in and with. Every organisation can have a social impact, but for social enterprises and charities, the impact they create is intentional and fundamental to their governance. They have social impact at their core. Their driving force is to create positive change in order to create a better, fairer world. Why is it important to manage and measure your social impact? Firstly, your service users, supporters, funders and stakeholders will want to know how you're helping improve lives. So it's not just a nice to do activity. Measuring impact for social investment is important as social investors consider both financial and social return. Social investors want to use their money to create impact. So they want to know how their money will make a difference. They want to know your social impact. Many social investors are even social businesses themselves. So their money may also come from organisations and individuals motivated by social change. Not only is measuring impact important for social investment, but it's also an essential process to help you to gain focus, clarity and direction. It's not just about managing and measuring your impact, it's about what you do with that information. How will you put the impact you want to create into action? How do you actually measure social impact when there are so many tools, metrics and techniques? A simple framework is plan, do, assess, review. Start by really pinning down the change you want to make. Plan how to create this desired impact. Use a theory of change to help map this out. Do your impact measurement around your theory of change. Collect the right data with surveys, interviews and more. Then, assess this data against your key goals. Did your data prove you've done what you wanted to do? Lastly, review your work. What more do you need to do? What needs to change? And how can you share your results effectively to the right audiences? Focus on your goals. Only measure what you and your stakeholders really value. Measure what's central to your mission. There are no numbers without stories, nor stories without numbers. Being able to give real examples alongside numerical data will really help to bring your impact story to life. Remember, managing and measuring social impact isn't just important for social investment. It also helps you look at your whole organisation and continue to improve on your mission. For, for more information, visit goodfinance.org.uk So, hopefully that gave you all a bit of understanding into social impact and was a good introduction into what we are going to be discussing today. So, the first thing that we're going to be um, discussing, essentially, is um, the SBM Consult Project. So, and. Anna Summer and her colleague are going to be discussing what they do as a part of the SVM Consult. Hi everyone, uh, thank you to the organisers again for giving us this space to share some of our project findings. I'm Anna and I'm the project coordinator for the SVM Consult team investigating social impact of Sketch. 
So we are a team of five students examining available models of social impact evaluation in order to make some recommendations for uh, the appropriateness uh, for application at individual pillar, uh, pillar level and collectively across um, the sketch organization. So our team is working in a, a 10 week project uh, under the supervision of Patrick, who you've already met, uh, who's the social impact uh, unit director and Fazan Ahmed, who's the coordinator. So as Patrick said, uh, Sketch stands for Student Knowledge Exchange uh, through Community Hubs. It's a new Queen Mary professional uh, services organisation funded by the government's Office for Students uh, to provide pro bono student-led consultancy services to businesses and the local community. So uh, you can actually check out the website. I think uh, somebody's put the link already on the chat, but it's on the slide as well. And there's a Twitter handle. So if you want to follow us on Twitter, please do. Uh, so Sketch is formed by six foundational pillars um, and uh, they are Queen Mary Social Venture Fund, um, the Legal Advice Centre or LAC, uh, QNomics, QLegal, the Student Consultancy Project, which uh, some of you may know uh, formerly was QConsult, uh, alongside the new Social Impact Unit. So uh, my team, uh, Zoha, will be uh, coming in now just to share a little bit more about what each pillar does and uh, some of the social impact that they are having as well. So I'll leave it to you, Zoha. Hi, guys. Um, so it's a pleasure to be here and to have the opportunity to speak. So without further ado, let's start on um, with explaining the findings of the project. So the first stage of the project was to actually understand in more detail the work of each pillar and what its potential social impact was. Now, the pillar that I was, um, I was, I was given was the QM Social Venture Fund, um, and it was the first student-led social impact venture capital fund investing in student-led social ventures in the whole UK. Um, and one of the things that I found really interesting was that it's built by students and the students on the panel have the unique opportunity to invest in social-led um, social enterprises. Um, it was introduced in order to help the students develop and enhance their entrepreneurial learning to aid them in networking with social entrepreneurs, um, going out and seeing industry professionals, and to also help them in identifying potential social impact enterprises in the area. I know there's been a lot of work in, in East London that's been done um, in, in regards to that. Now, the student uh, VCs advice and, um, advise and invest in real life, and most importantly, early stage startups that are dedicated to a, specifically, to a specific social mission. This process then has the unique ability to inspire the students on the panel whom themselves can go on and, um, and start up their own social enterprises with the added advantage of seeing business plans and meeting student founders, um, market sizing, mar making investment recommendations firsthand from this, from this program. Um, the next pillar that we had was the Legal Advice Centre, so the LAC. Um, now, with this, with this pillar, the providers um, provide free legal advice to members of the public and staff and, and the students at Queen Mary. 
Um, it intends to enable greater access um, to justice in the community. Um, and this is actually done by allowing students to get, to get involved in, um, in live cases through roles such as note takes. Um, most notably, the LAC provides legal advice um, to members who basically are not able to afford the legal advice. Um, and it gives a real opportunity opportunity to the students at Queen Mary um, to get involved and witness how how law um, how law is, is 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 implemented and they can also learn um, and um, translate this into making a positive influence on to the society and and, and specifically East London. Um, the LAC provides free legal advice um, on many different topics, um, some of which um, importantly um, include family law, uh, company law, immigration law, criminal justice project as well. Um, our next uh, pillar is the Q Legal. So this is the award-winning service um, providing free legal advice and resources to startups and entrepreneurs. Um, it's a stimulation of an innovative um, commercial legal advice, um, legal practice, um, pairing up postgraduate law students from the Centre um, for commercial law studies at QM um, and then with supporting external professional partners and together they work to provide um, corporate and commercial law um, pro services to real clients who range from they could be budding entrepreneurs or uh, startups and and or they could be community groups for example. Um, now we have the current um, projects for this academic year, which are the legal advisory. So we've got the we've got public legal education, and we've also got the Q Legal project, which is um, an externship, um, and we've also got the Q Legal um, consultancy project in addition to that. Um, now the latest report evidences um, that they already evaluate some of the programs outputs and outcomes. Um, such as the number of, so we've got the law clinic cases, um, we've got the advice letters, workshops organised, um, the toolkits for, for example, um, startup company communities, um, the clients helped as well, um, clients who attended workshops, um, and also uh, finally some qualitative um, client surveys. Um, then we have our, our, our very interesting pillar, Qnomics. Um, so again, this is a student-led um, venture providing free financial guidance to tech startup companies and entrepreneurs. Um, the free advice um, is, is composed of different business sectors, for example, um, how to comply with the rules and regulations um, and how to manage their finance. Um, Qnomics, they have, they have further plans to um, help the community um, around them. And they've already done workshops with, um, with the Tower Hamlets College called the Brexit Project. Um, and this project taught um, students at a college uh, to analyse the impact that Brexit will have on, on businesses and, and, of course, engaging the students into fundamentals of economics as well as um, politics. So it was really interesting to see both, uh, both, of, both uh, sectors colliding um, and then we've got um, the Student Consultancy Project. Now, this is our um, award-winning programme placing um, teams of students into mini consultancy um, projects in businesses and charities, for example. Um, and it's really, it's, it's, it's one of my favourite pillars because it gives um, students the chance to work in multidisciplinary um, teams solving problems um, faced by businesses, charities and social enterprises 
within the UK and also internationally too. Um, now, now, um, now students can undergo several training sessions, um, coaching, face-to-face -face clients, client meetings, and further professional develop, uh, development offerings. After working on a project for five weeks, um, what the teams will then do is pre present their findings directly to the client in a form of a short report and also a presentation. We also have the social impact unit, the SIU, um, and this basically is developing data from the pillars to evaluate um, the impact of student knowledge exchange activities. Over to you, Anna. Hi, thank you so much. Um, so um, thank you, Zoho, that was great. Uh, so as you can see, you know, the pillars mostly focus on the impact uh, they have on students. You know, it's quite natural. Uh, you know, we are, after all, we've been in an educational setting and, uh, you know, these are all student-led projects, so that's fine. But our aim is really to examine the potential business and local community uh, social impact of the services. Uh, so you may be asking how we're going to do it. So the next phase of the project is to make recommendations for the application of social impact evaluation models for each pillar and collectively across Sketch. Three different things that we're going to use to uh, make that evaluation. So uh, we are going to use data sets, data frameworks and methodologies. And, you know, it's, it's a necessary approach to uh, connect appropriate data sets and frameworks and methodologies to come up with a really robust system system. Uh, and actually, I have to thank um, Carrie-Anne, who you'll meet in a bit uh, in the panel, uh, who was really, really foundational for us to uh, come up with this approach. Uh, and she's a brilliant specialist on social impact evaluation. So uh, we've learned a lot from her, actually. Um, so, you know, we're looking at outputs, outcomes and impacts uh, to each pillar. And we will then align these data sets and uh, frameworks with methodologies. So, um, you know, but you may be thinking, what are these data sets? So these are research-based uh, financial proxies and non-financial measures that we're going to use for each pillar. Uh, then you get the data frameworks. So uh, these basically, they make sense of the data sets gathered. And one of the most robust ones, and again, I think Carrie-Anne will probably be able to share a little bit more about that one with you, is the National TOMS. Uh, so it's the Themes, Outcomes and Measures Framework. And it was first released, I think, in 2017, but there's a new version now. And it aims to provide a minimum reporting standard for measuring social value uh, for private and public organisations. And it's built around uh, five themes, uh, 20 different core outcomes and 48 core measures. Um, and uh, for us, all this work is really embedded as well within the theory of change or talk. And, you know, how and why is this intervention that we're doing? How is this going to lead to change? How are we going to progress to the ultimate solution for these pillars to work and achieve those social impact goals as well? So uh, amongst that, so if we think about the methodologies, which is like the third part, uh, so we examining more detailed different methodologies. So, uh, you know, they basically offer best practice approaches. So what are people using out there? So some examples that you may have heard of are the logical framework approach, the most significant change, social return on investment is really hot at the moment, and also the social impact assessment. So um, I hope this has, uh, this has given you a good overview view of what we're doing and what we're getting at. Thank you so much. Um, so thank you Anna and Zoha for your very um, 
in-depth discussion about what you do as part of the SBM Consult. Um, hopefully you guys have all taken a bit away about who Sketch are and what kind of different things that um, Sketch do um, for students and how students can get involved. So if you are a Queen Mary student and you are part of SBM um, or the university in general, then there's definitely a lot of things for you to get involved with. Um, so next up, we're going to have um, Jake and um, Jasmine, who were part, who are Queen Mary alumni and were part of the Eco Project, to tell us a bit about what they did and how um, they got involved. So over to you. Yes, hello everyone. Thank you very much, Caitlin. Uh, it's great to be here. So Jasmine and I graduated from Queen Mary last year, um, and after we graduated, we took part in this uh, research project um, where we created a consultancy report um, on ECHO, which is a non-profit organisation uh, in East London. Um, Jasmine's role was to um, conduct a literature review on previous research into um, social return on investment. Um, and we also had three other team members who aren't here today, but they conducted interviews with um, participants of, of this project. Um, we also had a ways um, conducting a, a quantitative analysis of the project. And my role was just to sort of bring all this together in this, this web page that you see here. Okay, so ECHO, as I mentioned, um, is a nonprofit organization. Um, they connect people and businesses to share skills via an online platform called the Economy of Hours. Um, the Economy of Hours has been around for a number of years, but um, ECHO launched uh, an initiative called The Match uh, in direct response to the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. Um, and the aim was to sort of um, connect struggling businesses, businesses that were facing challenges because of the pandemic, and also uh, skilled furloughed workers. Um, so our our sort of aim as, as a team of five was to assess how effective the match had been in uh, connecting volunteers with businesses, um, but also contributing to social return uh, in the wider community. Uh, so as I mentioned, um, this was a, a number of stages um, and we, we sort of concluded our uh, project by providing recommendations to ECHO um, for, for future improvement, but also um, recommendations for more effective uh, social impact um, for other nonprofit initiatives and, and smaller um, projects. So the first bit is the, was the literature review. Um, I'll hand over to Jasmine to talk about this. Hi everyone and thank you for being here. As my colleague Jake mentioned, uh, my role was to mainly work on the literature report as well as contributing to part of the quantitative analysis. So when conducting my report, I looked mainly at what was the understanding and meaning of uh, social impact and social value when um, using evaluation practices specifically in, uh, in the third sector. And uh, for example, I looked into um, specific frameworks called uh, evaluation logistics, such as the scientific, bureaucratic and learning logics that can then be applied uh, through other three main types of evaluation methods. Uh, for example, one of these is the logical framework approach, also called the LFA, uh, the most significant change, the MSC, uh, and the social return on investment, uh, also called the SROI. 
uh, all of the above uh, really favored having stakeholder involvement, for example, um, and uh, a lot of attention has been given to, um, to the evaluation of third sector organization uh, due to three main reasons. One is the professionalization of the industry. Uh, second uh, has been the pressure of funders wanting to find out more where the funds are going and whether these are making a difference um, to the projects. Um, and thirdly, entrepreneurs wanting to look for new opportunities. Uh, so therefore, in my, um, in my report, I looked mainly at these three logics and the evaluation methods. And then um, I also explored how previous research uh, has looked into how we can measure stakeholder involvement and value, uh, and also assess uh, what was the level of credibility uh, of these evaluation practices. Uh, and then I ended my report by giving some future recommendations that can be applied in future projects that ECHO can consider uh, when they will be doing further projects. Um, we also then conducted uh, uh, the quantitative analysis, when doing this, we considered factors such as uh, geographical context. Uh, so for example, we focused mainly on East London and the businesses in that area. Uh, we then looked at how uh, COVID-19 has specifically impacted uh, small businesses in East London, and we created different graphs uh, and statistics on these. Uh, we also then analyzed what type of help um, these businesses required. So for example, some businesses may require help with marketing. So a marketing expert would be paired up with, uh, um, with one of these businesses. And uh, um, at the same time, we also looked at other areas, uh, which, which areas specifically required the most help. So for example, Haringey and Hackney required uh, the highest level. Uh, and then we also looked at uh, what help the volunteers could offer. So like I said, some would be specialized in marketing or finance or, or for example, human resources. And uh, uh, we then moved on, on to the case studies, uh, which I will pass on to my colleague, Jake. Yeah, thanks. Um, obviously this is quite a long web page, so um, I won't go through all of it. Um, this should be live on the Sketch website very soon. Um, so I, I encourage everyone to look at it at their own time. But um, the case studies were conducted by two of our other teammates. Um, they interviewed two volunteers uh, and two business owners just to get a sort of um, qualitative assessment of, of how their experience was um, in the match. So I'd encourage people to, to come back and, and have a look at these. Um, and these, these testimonials just kind of... Um, pull out some some quotes from from these uh interviews um and again I, I won't go through all of it now just because of time um and obviously the last section of our report as as we said was um the recommendations um and i'll, I'll hand back to jasmine to to just finish this yeah, thank you, Jake. So in regards specifically from the report, uh, the future recommendations that I written uh, was that the most significant change method could be ideally uh, the best evaluation method to use. And this was because it would involve a regular collection of important changes occurred throughout the programs. Uh, and also because uh, the MSC does not really work with the predefined indicators. Uh, and therefore this is highly adaptable to any organization when they are evaluating. 
Uh, along with this, uh, the learning evaluation logic could also be helpful because uh, um, often it is open to change. It does not require the opinion of an expert, uh, but rather it focuses on laypersons. Uh, moreover, in small and local uh, third sector organizations, the number of stakeholders is likely um, to be lower than in bigger third sector organizations. And therefore, uh, that means that they might not operate in a fast paced environment. Uh, and as a result, uh, it, this makes it easier to grab key moments that can help with the evaluation process. And this is more in line, in fact, with the MSc evaluation methods and the learning evaluation logic. And then in terms of the future recommendation uh, for improvement, uh, as I said, um, the learning logic and the most significant change, but also the mapping and narrative building, which uh, it's maybe helpful to help to help individual match journeys. Uh, at the same time, this can help to build narratives of the different stages, as well as elements that can, can, that can match uh, quality. Uh, and this could eventually lead to uh, a typology of characteristics that can be either strong, moderate, or weak matches that have been structured. Uh, also, uh, to use scales to measure relationship between partners. This could be useful, again, to express the strength and the quality of the matches between volunteers and businesses, uh, and also to determine which dominant quali qualitative uh, storytelling data uh, can be combined with quantitative data. And then we also have, for example, uh, as another recommendation, visual tracking, um, which is which is a way to virtually demonstrate the development of relationships in terms of geographical area, uh, but also uh, the ability to build on an anonymized dashboard that can display the different connections uh, made throughout the process. And for example, how many hours have been dedicated to the different matches. And this is the end of our project. Yeah, great. So. Um... Again, I'd, I'd encourage people to, to come back and have a look. This is just um, uh, a few videos on um, the, the students that took part in this project and, and uh, how they found it. Um, and I would just finish by, by saying I believe Sarah is also on the panel. So um, you, could, you can ask Sarah some, some questions if, if she doesn't mind um, later on in the Q&A. Um, and yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for, for listening, everyone. Thank you for that both of you um it seems like you really learned a lot during the eco project so it sound like sounds like the work that you got involved in really had an impact um to society and to business owners um just before you guys go i have a quick question to ask you um for just the same question to both of you but what would you say was your key takeaway from taking part in the eco project could be anything you've learned or any skills you've gained yeah. any key takeaway Sure. Yeah. Um, I'll go first. Um, I think um, in terms of our participation in this project, um, we all got great value from being part of it. I think um, our role, as I mentioned, was kind of to give a, an external view of, of this initiative, this specific initiative, the match, um, and look at how successful it was, um, but also the wider positive social impact that this had. Um, and I think this, this project that, that, that Sarah set up in response to the pandemic came at uh, a really crucial time for a lot of businesses and, and volunteers. Um, so it was a situation where you had businesses facing challenges that they'd never had to face before. Um, and at the same time, there was 
skilled professionals, highly specialized um, in in different things, um, being furloughed from work. So it was kind of um, a, a natural but, but brilliant idea to kind of bring the two groups of people together um, to on, on a voluntary basis to kind of share their skills. So I think being involved in that and being able to sort of um, view it for, from an outsider perspective and and then give recommendations that that could could hopefully um, improve the project in the future but also other similar takeaway for, for me. I agree with everything that Jake has mentioned and I would say you know the biggest takeaway from this project is the ability of having contributed to the wider society that we live in. So I believe that this it was amazing in that sense. And um, another key takeaway I would say is the fact that I was able to contribute uh, to like a real life uh, problem that's happening right now. So I, I'm really happy that my input could really make a change and can really help uh, ECHO in the future, as well as these local businesses that are struggling. So it was amazing that we could use uh, our skills gained from our undergraduate degree uh, to help these businesses and really apply these skills gained in our degree to, to the real life and uh, the world of, uh, of work. Thank you both for that. Sounds like you guys have taken a lot away, which is always fantastic. Um, so thank you. Um, so now I'm going to move on to Stacey, who's going to be facilitating our panel discussion. Hi, my name is Stacey Cannell, and I'm part of the Queen Mary Social Centre Fund, and I'll be hosting the questions from the panellists today. So today we have the pleasure to involve our special guest panellists they will share their view on social impact regarding outcomes, evaluation and value. They will inform us how businesses and startups measure their outcomes and evaluate social impact, which benefits the society and provide value with the money that we have invested. We'd love to briefly introduce you to our, um, our expertise and specialists. So, on the first hand, I'll be introducing Carrie-Anne, and she'll briefly discuss about herself today. Hi, everybody. Um, I'm Carrie-Anne Hewling. I'm a social value consultant. Um, I have been involved in the world of social value for 15 years of my career, um, working um, for a decade in the private sector and having consulted independently across multiple sectors and geographies for the last five years. Um, I'm hugely passionate about social value and, and making social value and impact and the ability to communicate to multiple stakeholders what, what it is a business achieves um, beyond making a profit and delivering goods and services. Um, I want to make that accessible and easy and enjoyable and exciting um, for people to do. So hopefully my um, level of geekiness on this topic and um, uh, research that I've done and experience in business will, will just start to invigorate the conversation when we start to discuss um, social impact in a bit more detail. Thank you, Carrie ann That was a lovely introduction regarding your expertise. And now I'll be moving on shortly to Sinead Finn, as she'll be providing an introduction as well. Thanks very much, Stacey. Um, hello, everybody. My name is Sinead Finn. Um, I've worked in the travel industry for over 20 years. Um, 
spent 13 years at Ryanair before setting up my own business called Affinity. And in the main, what I do with Affinity is I help um, startups and mid, I suppose, mid-sized businesses um, in the tech uh, travel space to connect with airlines, to contract with airlines um, across, it's globally. Um, and um, I am fortunate to be mentoring um, Caitlin, Stacy, and Mai, and really enjoying that. Um, and I'm also on the um, board at uh, QMUL um, at the business school. So all very enjoyable. Um, I really wanted to say um, to Jake and Jasmine that I loved your presentation. I, I commend you for what you've done in what has been a very difficult year, using your skills um, in such a way. It's fantastic. Um, and obviously doing it all remotely. So um, well done to you. Thank you, Sinead, for your lovely introduction. Um, we really enjoyed you mentoring us as well. And next, I'll be introducing Fayad. He'll be introducing himself as from his work, his own work experience too. Thank you, Stacey. Um, hi, everyone. I'm Fayed Shamsuddin. Uh, I've spent the last uh, decade uh, focusing and supporting uh, social impact projects and campaigns, uh, primarily in London, but also across the UK, uh, as well as uh, projects abroad in a, a number of different countries in um, international development context. Um, I've kind of been really passionate about supporting organisations and institutions to really embrace social impact and social value at the core of the business, and not at just as a peripheral uh, uh, item uh, like some businesses do. So yeah, it's really about really pushing forward, you know, the importance of supporting communities and individuals, and really looking at how, you know, impact and valuation can uh, make that difference and really um, make an organisation stand out in terms of uh, what it's achieved. Thank you, Faya. That was amazing, your introduction about the experience that you have done. Um, now we have met everyone from the panelists, so from Carrie Ann to Sinead, to Fayad, and you've met Anna as well from SBM Console and Jasmine and Jake from Eco Project, as they'll all be part of the panelists that will be having questions for today. So today, the main topic we're going to discuss is how to measure outcomes, evaluation and value within social impact. We are aware that most people want to know the outcomes and values from social investments in both the public sector and private sector. It's very clear of reason that for many years, companies have adopted to disclose information regarding outcomes and valuation within their corporate social responsibility, as this provides transparency for investments. And now to begin, I'll be asking my first question to Carrie-Anne. What does social impact outcomes and evaluations mean to you and the work you have done? Okay, thank you, um, Stacey. So um, I think what social impact um, and the ability to kind of value what um, a business creates in terms of a, a socially responsible footprint um, is about being able to right now in 2021 kind of embrace the tools and, and methods and approaches that we have available to us to give social impact and social value delivery the credibility that it that it should have um, we've experienced um, within business that that the the social responsibility pillar 
of the triple bottom line of, of, of profits, planets and people. Um, the people um, pillar of that has, has been the last to the table um, and has been the last to get a level of, of credibility within business. But because we've been on a journey um, with this agenda for a long time now, and it's not brand new to us in 2021, we actually have a fantastic environment to um, quantify and communicate impact to lots of different stakeholders, lots of different kinds of investment approaches, um, lots of different clients and, and people that have a, a vested interest in what business are doing, allow people in society to make decisions on where they spend their money and where they don't spend their money because of the impact that businesses create. Um, so I think that, that for me, it means allowing and helping and supporting and advising organisations to be able to navigate that, that, that exciting environment that we've got now to be able to, to give the credibility to the social um, activity that, that we create as, as, a, as a sector of businesses. Thank you, Carrie-Anne. I definitely agree with you regarding helping supporting the business and societies around like, the country and the world, providing that extra support. I'll now be moving on to a question we have for Sinead regarding the commercial industry. Is there any social impact in your industry currently for traveling tourism? And if so, how does it work? Okay, so yeah, that's a very great, great question, Stacey. Thank you. So traveling tourism is hugely relevant to enhancing social progress. Um, I think maybe we're not as good at talking about it as individual companies, which is where Carrie-Anne comes in. Um, but recently, in fact, only last week, the World uh, Travel and Tourism Council released a social impact paper, um, which is very timely for this evening. Um, but travel and tourism not only drives economic growth, but it also enhances social progress across the world. And they found that it did it in four ways. The first is its diverse and inclusive nature. The second, the ability to enrich communities. The third was job creation and alleviating poverty. And the fourth was a catalyst for innovation and entrepreneurship. And this is really my area where I work. It's the innovation and entrepreneurship of the businesses um, who I help. But the research was undertaken in cooperation with the social progress imperative uh, known as SPI. And, you know, you ask a question maybe, um, or I'd like to, you know, talk about that. Why is this study so important today? Um, and it's because travel and tourism has been absolutely devastated by COVID. 174 million jobs were impacted globally in 2020. So we're relying on the easing of government restrictions and border controls um, and the vaccine program in order to make sure um, that more social impact won't be lost this year and next year. Thank you, Sinead, for that information regarding the travel and tourism, how it's been affected and how it affects um, globally about regarding social impact, especially with like job creation and the innovation section as well. Um, bridging from that, I'm actually going to have a question from Fayad because he is in a kind of a different sector, more towards the public sector. So this will be a good link against each other. 
from your own experience of working on social impact projects and campaigns, why is measuring social impact important in your own opinion? Uh, thank you, Stacey. Um, so, uh, well, actually, just following on from um, both uh, Carrie and Sinead, um, you know, when it comes to looking at social impact and kind of importance, you know, you look at it from kind of different perspectives. You look at it from kind of like a business corporate perspective. You look at it from the kind of the, the the private industry, but also from a public sector and, you know, what governments, what local governments are doing to kind of support social impact and support initiatives. And through my kind of experiences that I've had over the years, working with um, uh, different departments and within government, but also within organizations who are trying to support uh, local governments to um, enact social impact on the ground from a grassroots level. Um, I'll say one of the main kind of elements that I feel is really important is if an organization is looking to uh, look at implementing um, you know, a social impact report within the organization, it really helps to show kind of your accountability to yourselves, but also from an organizational point of view, it allows you to kind of shape your vision for the future because you're actually using this as a means, as a retrospect to look at actually what have we achieved so far, not only to kind of shout about it to others and let others know, you know, you know, what you've, you know, you say what you want to do, but you've actually done it, but also to kind of look at, you know, internally, how it's really shaped you as an organization in terms of, you know, what your next steps are in the future. And as, as we've seen over the last year due to COVID, a lot of organizations have had to pivot in their business to really kind of either A, support the beneficiaries who rely on them, or effectively change their product or service to kind of meet the demands and needs of um, people in the current climate that we are in right now. It also helps um, strengthen an organization's credibility when it comes to looking at um, social impact, because again, it allows you to not only say, you know, I've, you know, supported, let's say, um, I've supported um, people, you know, within food banks, or I've supported organizations or uh, individuals when it comes to areas of mental health. Again, these are topical issues that have been very current over the last year. Um, it allows you to effectively show, you know, that you've made these, you've, you've made these impacts, you've reached targets, you've actually helped supported, you know, people through difficult times. Uh, lastly, uh, the kind of for me one of the biggest elements of uh, having a social impact report is that you're in a fortunate position to actually lay the foundations for others to follow in your footsteps footsteps as you know as it's well versed and known uh, businesses you know have this sort of rivalry and competition between themselves but generally speaking uh, amongst um, social impact ventures and social impact uh, projects and campaigns there is a large degree of collaboration and uh, the space is big enough for a lot of players and essentially if uh, as an organization you're working to create a social impact report for yourselves you're actually inspiring others to kind of you know see you know the work that you've achieved and what you've done and actually you know again lay the foundations for others to follow in your footsteps but also to add to that, it also allows organizations to get more scope when it comes to looking at uh, um, uh, gaining more investment or looking for funding. Um, again, there's uh, a number of different funds available from the government um, that uh, support businesses who have, uh, you know, social impact at the core of their business. Um, and, uh, you know, again, they are looking for usually as proof, um, you know, some sort of report or uh, analysis of the impact you've had. So again, uh, social impact reports and evaluations really do uh, support um, 
an organization from you know many different levels uh, whether it whether it be from a level of uh, you know showing you know what you've effectively done to internal um, or, you know, assessment of, you know, your organization to, again, looking at uh, effective ways to hopefully gain, you know, further investment to help to help scale and grow your business. So, yeah. Thank you, Saya. That was amazing, the experience and your own opinion of how what social impact means to you within, like, different projects and the campaigns that you have done. Bouncing back from that, I would just like to ask Carrie-Anne, what do you consider to be the most important things about social impact and evaluation from what FIAD has mentioned? Um, thank you um, again, Stacey. Um, so I think for me, in, in through my lens that I have of, of trying to help people navigate this environment to create those really empowering and, and pivotal social impact reports that, that take them to where, they, where they're aspiring to be as a business. Um, it's about trying to strike a balance um, between the different types of measurement and impact approaches that are available to them. Um, we're almost um, a kind of victim of our own success within the sector of social impact in that over the last decade or, or longer, um, the, the methods that have been developed and the approaches that have been developed to to quantify this and create social impact reports um, have, have, have fairly apocalyptic. We have hundreds and hundreds of ways of, of looking at impact um, from a qualitative and quantitative point of view. Um, so I think what's important is, is placing yourself in, in a contemporary situation and looking at what's available to you in here and now um, and taking advice and looking at best practice from other sectors. And, and really then being able, particularly in the third sector and the public sector, to strike a balance between um, a qualitative methodology type approach, which tells the human story of what you did and resonates with those stakeholders that are really invested in that. Um, but also to look at these um, data sets and frameworks um, that, that Anna touched on earlier. Um, that allow us to shape some of the measures that we might use to articulate the, the outcomes we've created, that if we choose them in the right way and connect to the right data sets and frameworks, we can, we can use financial proxies and we can, we can value some of that activity. So um, I have a, a few examples. Um, I think I might touch on, on a couple of suggestions for the ECHO project that might bring that to life a little bit more for everybody later um, in, in, our, in our discussion. But I think it's about um, doing your homework and doing your research that's massively important to, to understand how to um, use the, the experience and, and knowledge that's come before you in this agenda um, and look at what other sectors have done to be able to create a balance between um, the qualitative and quantitative message of impact of your activities um, is a really important part of, of creating a plan for this. Thank you, Carrie-Anne. I definitely agree with what you're saying about the importance of the social impact of what to take away from it, rather being the qualitative and quantitative data sets. With that being mentioned, I really enjoyed um, the eco project as well. And Sinead, 
Um, I completely agree with you. So I just wanted to ask a question to Jasmine and Jake. What actually inspired the idea of Eco Project? Yeah, hi. Um, I don't. I don't know if actually um, Sarah would like to answer this question herself. I don't know. Being the director of Echo, I think she might be in a better position to answer that. If that's all right, Sarah. Yeah, that's absolutely fine, Jake. I'm happy to answer. Um, yeah, it's great to be here, and um, thank you very much. Jasmine and Jake for your great presentation and um, yeah could just just to say first of all very quickly you know from the perspective of being an organisation that's benefited from working with Queen Mary and students um, yeah it, it was a really fantastic experience and um, yeah so I worked with a team of five students and Patrick um, on this project and the the match was a very specific project that echo launched in response to covid19 as as jake explained um so uh and it was something that we did quite we had to do quite quickly without a lot of resourcing so it was really fantastic to have these students helping us with um the social impact measurement in particular because it's something that we wouldn't have had the resource um to do or the expertise to do within our own team um so it was really um, really great to have have the students working on that with us um, so yeah I guess the um, the inspiration for the project was that what you asked Stacey I can't quite remember yes yeah just did the inspirational yeah, eco-project sure. so, um, so Echo has existed in um, East London for about eight years now and and the idea behind it is really all about sharing skills and expertise so we connect um local residents and small businesses and larger organisations as well um, to exchange skills and help each other. Um, so ECHO has been doing that for quite some time, um, really with the inspiration behind it being that we believe that there are lots of skills and expertise within the community, but people don't necessarily always know what's out there or who's out there or they don't always have a way of connecting. So the ECHO website um, and digital platform um, was designed to help to make those connections um, and the way that ECHO works is uh, based on a time currency so you can uh, offer an hour of your time and skills you earn an ECHO or a credit and you can then spend that on an hour of somebody else's time and skills um, and that kind of time banking system has worked really well to connect lots of lots of people in East London um, over the last few years and then the match in particular was something slightly different that we experimented with um, in response to COVID, where we particularly targeted um, furloughed professionals, as, as Jake explained, because we recognised that at that point in the summer, I think it was probably around May or June, I can't quite remember now, there were a huge amount of furloughed people and lots of businesses um, who really needed support. So we launched that as a kind of slightly different initiative, inspired by the ECHO kind of concept but very particularly looking to see what we could do around this opportunity of um, furloughed professionals. Um, so yeah, hopefully that gives you a bit of a flavour of, of the inspiration behind it. That is fantastic, like the inspiration, how you that Eco Project has been quite far around and you've been supporting other business, especially during this climate of COVID-19 and providing that support. I would just kind of like to relay this question back to Carrie-Anne and just with the eco project being presented, what do you think your opinion could be to measure this kind of social impact? Because I know you mentioned briefly regarding the frameworks and like methodologies. So how could that actually be done? Okay, so um, I mean, the, 
the project itself is amazing and the the need to connect um knowledge from different sectors of business to other businesses and communities that need that knowledge is is an ongoing um and, and growing uh, requirement and and something to have um an approach that manages that and controls that and maximizes um the impact that that can create is is just so fantastic and i think that like every region within the uk would love a mirrored version of of the echo project to to serve that purpose because it's a conversation um i have on a daily basis as a practitioner um, about creating that that relationship between sectors and between businesses for knowledge share um and the guys, the, the website um, is fantastic. I had a really good look at it um, in terms of what's been put together. And the, the methodologies and, and the, um, the analysis that you've done on the approaches you could take, it's all massively sound. Like, I'm not here to say there is anything wrong with um, the approaches that have been suggested because they're all fantastic and valid and um, justified and there's a case made for the, the approaches you would take. Um, I think it would be maybe interesting to have um, a look at a, a balance between um, a little bit more of a transactional lens of what you're doing. So um, essentially individuals are giving their time and there's a quantification to that time that they're giving. Um, and we talked previously about the National TOMS framework, which is um, it, TOMS stands for Themes, Outcomes and Measures. Um, and that's a framework that the National Social Value Task Force created to, to try and um, create a consistent framework for people of all sectors to, to quantify what they were delivering from a social value point of view. Um, and within TOMS, we have measure number 15, um, which is the provision of expert advice to VCSEs. And um, that's quantified at about £96 an hour. So for every hour of, of expert advice that's given from private or public sector over to VCSEs or between from VCSE to VCSE as well, you can quantify that as well. And it, it creates um, an economic and fiscal um picture of what the value of that volunteering and knowledge share is it, it doesn't tell anybody what what it means to the individual sharing that information or the individual receiving that information but it tells us what the what the accepted value is of that transactional occurrence of time being given um, and that's just one example there are maybe a couple of others in there in terms of a framework that we could potentially um, apply to, to the work that's happening. Um, and as well as that, we have um, a social value bank, um, which is another data set slash framework that sits within the housing sector of all places. So the social housing and housing sector developed um, a social value calculator with Symmetrica Jacobs. And that is very social and well-being outcome focused. So that um, system tells you a little bit more about what was the impact on the individual. So it's looking the other way, it's saying, was the individual more confident, less isolated, um, 
had less mental health challenges because of the interaction that you did maybe didn't make that GP appointment they were going to make um, because of a struggle they were having because they did start to build a relationship with somebody else and, and it made them feel better about a challenge that they had. So the Social Value Bank, because it's been connected to social housing so intrinsically, is a little bit more human focused. It's a little bit more about the people and the impact. So we have two Social Value UK accredited free to use frameworks in Tom's and the Hack Social Value Calculator that could give you, from a very simple measure that you have of the time spent from that volunteering, and that could give you two perspectives of impact, the economic and fiscal impact of the transactional time and the social and well-being impact of what that time did and meant for that person who received the time. Um, so that's that's a worked example very quickly and very knee-jerk um, from, from me to try and say that, you know, the, the messaging about balancing a qualitative and quantitative approach, the qualitative stuff you have nailed, like the, the human stories, the case studies, the testimonials, the, the general sense of heartwarmingness from the piece of work that you've done, um, you can just wrap around some of the learning from some other sectors and some other best practice that's there that's really easily accessible to you. Um, and you can get advice and guidance and, and information on that in terms of how to wrap it around your existing model to see if it works. Thank you, Carrie, and the, with the detail. I loved about the social value bank and the different frameworks you that can use from like the past, like SWATs, and how this can even even be applied, applied using different sectors and different un industries from public to private and building that knowledge that could be possibly applied to eco projects. And I just wanted to bounce off that to ask um, Sinead, if from Kerry-Ann's um, story, what do you think, can, how like can this be applied to the commercial industry to measure social impact too? such as like the frameworks or like social bank or any different type of aspects? Yeah, so, I mean, hearing what uh, Carianne does is uh, fascinating, Stacey. Um, there are, it's, it's interesting, um, if I go back to my Ryanair days, um, I think it's probably the most relevant in a way um, that, you know, companies are very challenged because they're very focused on, um, making money to, in order to uh, succeed. Um, but the social impact story which they have to tell is often fantastic, but not really um, promoted. And I think, Fayad, you've um, touched on that a little bit is, you know, most companies, public or private, have a really good story to tell. And maybe they're not very good at telling it. Um, and it was interesting that I you know, there were some things that uh, we did naturally at Ryanair, um, which took us a while to actually um, promote those because you're so busy, you know, talking about fares and customers, et cetera, and so forth. So some of those would be, for example, the fact that Ryanair flew to secondary airports. Um, so instead of flying to Maine, like to Frankfurt, they flew to Han 
which is near Frankfurt, but not an hour from Frankfurt. And it was a military base. And you're creating employment around there. You're, you know, adding such huge, huge social value to a disused area. Um, and the byproduct of, you know, coach services and everything that comes with the industry. And then if we move on to uh, the charitable side, um, you know, there was always um, a charity uh, that Ryanair um, pushed each year. Um, and on top of that, then, if you look at the environmental impact, which obviously is uh, very relevant, um, Ryanair was using aircraft that were two and a half years old, and that was, a, you know, no more than two and a half years old, the fleet type. And uh, we actually looked at getting winglets in order to save energy. Um, so I think really you know, how Carrie-Anne explains everything is, it, it, it's, it's incredible. And I think if more businesses um, understood, you know, the value um, or how to, how to express themselves um, in this respect, I think you'd uncover quite interesting, you know, there's such, there's such interesting stuff underneath what they're trying to achieve every day, which is make money, keep people in jobs, you know, but there's so much there that somebody of Carrie-Anne's expertise could uncover and, you know, and everybody, and they all have a great story to tell. So I think that's the, what I'm hearing the most is, you know, um, and learning the most and what I find uh, fascinating about what Carrie-Anne is doing. Thank you so much, Sinead. I definitely agree with how it can be applied to different sectors of like measuring the outcomes and providing that social impact into different sectors. We just have a, like a final question, and this is an open floor question for anyone. If there are basically any suggestions, suggestions for any for students and young startups, how they'll like to create social impacts. I'm, I'm happy to uh, start off. I, I would say um, from, 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 from my end, in terms of advice, in terms of how to kind of, well, social enterprise is obviously, yeah, social impact is a very obviously large, quite a large term, but I personally would say is really understand your audience, understand your communities, understand the people you're serving, understand the beneficiaries who are relying on your product or service. It's so important to really gauge from their perspective um, and build a relationship with them. Uh, the reason why startups and social enterprises are doing so well is that the there's there's a the the, the facade of a, or, or the look of um of a you know a very large corporate organization where you know it's just a name there's not really a person you know to put to the name whereas with a lot of st small startups organizations uh, and, and social impact organizations they are really kind of hum human in terms of the interactions with the people they support um they're really kind of intimate in terms of how they want to help um you know challenge issues or uh, areas uh, within you know local certain local communities and that allows for a certain a level of affinity between the you the service provider and and the beneficiaries or the people you're trying to support or um or effectively if it's a product that you're effectively trying to sell so my my advice would be really understand and engage with your audience and your customer base and understand their needs and understand how you can really shape and curate your product and service to best fit their needs and in that way you're naturally going to be having ambassadors who will you know speak very well about you know your business and you know how you've support them on their journey or how you've helped them through their struggles um so 
that would for me be one of the key starting bases to then start building up your social impact and really understanding again um you know what your audience or what your um beneficiaries uh, need and and what they want thank you fire that's amazing advice i hope it helps anyone out in the audience regarding if they do want to have a startup or entrepreneur like business currently now or in the future we have one question from the audience and to mention is that is gender pay gap reporting now obligatory does the panel think that some version of social value reporting ought to go meant to be some type of way like is gender pay compulsory in reporting and does the panel have to believe there's any social value in reporting to go in a type of way i think i can um just give a little bit of an opinion um on on that i think that um I think we we are on a journey um, to social value reporting in terms of accounting for your social value or social impact as a business being um, mandated. I think what we can see happening across a few different sectors um, is testing the water with this um, because when the Social Value Act was released in 2013, well, it's passed in 2012 and it was released in 2013, um, the legislation was very woolly, um, and that's because it, it, it freaks the hell out of organisations at the prospect of having to account properly for social value um, and, to, and to be held accountable for it. And we realised quite quickly that across all sectors, there wasn't a lot of infrastructure in place to account properly um, for social value. We have, we have no standard definition of social value and impact. We have no standard methodology for measuring social value and social impact. And and that empowers um, sectors to to do what's right for them and to report what's right for them. Um, And so we are on a journey to it being mandated, but what we need is is a tipping point of maturity across the public and private and third sector on this agenda before it's viable to make it mandatory. Um, And so it doesn't actually um, put people off and and give give people fear um, around social value and social impact. So the new procurement policy note that we have that applies to central government, um, PPN 0620, has made it mandatory for central government um, procurement teams to account for the social value that the investment creates. And that's the first step that we've seen of something in writing that's mandatory for a certain part of a certain sector um, so we're, we're at the beginning of, of that as a journey I think if we're having this conversation in another three years we might be a little bit closer um, and I think that the more we all do collectively on this agenda um, the closer and sooner we'll get to, to a point where it is mandated as it should be. Thank you Carrie-Anne so it's clear to see that it's a gradual process that will take step by step for the future. And now we have another question from the audience too. And this is regarding about how can we attempt to transfer knowledge of UK social impact framework to help other countries that can be measured too? This is an open floor to the panel as well. I can go if no one else wants to go. <laughs> um. 
So I, what we have um, is the UK is, is looked on at being quite mature on, on this front. Um, but we're also quite inward looking and insular about our UK based social impact and measures that suit us. Um, what's starting to happen um, is that we're getting consistency through things like the sustainable development goals. So we find that um, we have a, a fragmented environment for impact measurement outside of the UK internationally and globally as well. But we do have some consistency with things like the sustainable development goals. So different um, different countries um, and, and regions of, of countries are mapping some of the fragmented impact measurement environment to the SDGs. Um, so we can give comparable um, reports between countries um, and, and continents. So I think that it is about connecting more to academia. Academia has a, a more global reach and audience than public and private sector business do in the UK. Um, and we do need to do more about showing and sharing what's happening here to, to help it happen elsewhere. Um, but the key is, is understanding what about our approach is universal and transferable and what is unique to us here in the UK. Um, we are good at it in pockets here, um, but that's not to say that's immediately transferable elsewhere. So it needs research. It needs innovative ideas. It needs passionate people um, to start to spread the message and to find synergies and, and common ground so we can collaborate a little bit more globally. We've also got the World Business Council for Sustainable Development. Um, which is an organisation that is, is growing its impact um, across a uh, global footprint. So um, that's a good organisation to look to. They have developed up something called the Reporting Exchange. And the Reporting Exchange is a repository for methods and indicators and way of, of looking at, at impact, but it's very environmental focused rather than social or economic focused. So. We're again, we're on a journey with that and it's a little bit the responsibility of the people on groups like this and discussions like this to try and create some synergies and share learning and look at what's applicable elsewhere. So it is possible for us to apply it, um, but we can't just do it in silos. We need to do it collectively. This is great news. Thank you, Carrie-Anne. As further research and academia will probably help and support with innovations of how to maybe possibly measure impact, social impact all over the world for the future. Um, thank you everyone who attended today on our panel discussion from Sinead to Carrie-Anne to Fayad, Jake and Jasmine and from Anna and Sarah from Eco Project as well and the consult team and Sketch for all your support. Well, I'll just finish off um, if you don't mind, everybody, just thanking you all for coming. There'll be another event in two weeks' time. And uh, we're going to be maintaining this Thursday evening fortnightly slot, roughly, um, over the next few weeks and months as part of the Sketch Project. Like we said, we're trying to build a community of people interested in this area. And uh, the more we can continue to engage with one another and exchange views, the better for the future. So thank you very much indeed. And thank you for your support.